This is what camp's about. Who's with me? Keep telling your little story. What was that? Hello? Hello? Can anybody? Time for you all to leave. Hey. Clearly this group has no respect for my lab. Oh, Bumpy. Gave it a name that's precious. We're on our own. We've lined up exclusive behind-the-scenes tours of Jurassic World. Ooh. Yes! Dinosaurs? Plenty of dinosaurs. So, ready for an adventure? Absolutely. But I'm going to need that speech a little shorter and really try to lean into the majesty of this place. <laughs> okay, we're going now. Let's get the six of you to camp. Welcome back to the Jurassic Park Podcast. I am your host, Brad Jost, and today we have our full spoiler thoughts on Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous, Season 3, and I am back again with my buddy here, Tom Jurassic. How you doing, Hello. Tom? Hello. Yeah, I'm good. I am excited, man. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm i definitely excited. I know we were really, really just dying to dive into a lot of those bigger details uh, on Season 3 in our non-spoiler chat. But we couldn't. We had to save it for this one, and uh, we're gonna get into them today. And I have no idea what's in store for you guys. It's gonna be you. You have no idea, I guess. It's gonna be no, no. That's not true. They know. They've seen the show, right? I hope you've seen it. If you haven't, please. If leave. you're watching this and you haven't seen it, go yeah. watch it. Yeah, yeah. Come so- back in six months. <laughs> Before we dive into our spoiler takes on Season 3, we did a Season 2 roundup. If you wanted to listen to that real quick, uh, that was in Episode 274. Um, And as always, a huge thank you to DreamWorks Animation for for letting us watch this season early. Um, It's really, it makes all the difference to be able to prepare this content ahead of time. So so thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Uh, Always a, a, you know, a... A pleasure to work with, so thank you so much for that. But um, if you guys do want some non-spoiler takes, if this is not the content for you, please go back and watch our non-spoiler takes because we are going to be getting you know completely into the spoilers. This is a full spoiler conversation on season three. So, like I said, if you have not watched it, please turn this off. Go boot up your Netflix. Go log in. Find Jurassic World: Camp Cretaceous season three. Watch all ten episodes. And then come back. Do not stop at 8. Do not stop at 9. Watch them all. Come back and we'll talk about this. So, without further ado, uh, what do you say we dive into some spoiler topics here? So, um, yeah, so let's Tom, do it. My, my watch is going off. But um, what, what, <laughs> give me, um, for anybody who didn't hear, I guess, your non-spoiler, uh, your non-spoiler takes, give me just a, a general consensus. Like, what did you think about season three? so freaking good um (laughs) well i mean i can go into spoilers so you can yeah the fact the fact that this directly connects to jurassic world fallen kingdom and it doesn't feel shoehorned there's actually extra description as to why the scorpius exists perfect it like the the way it was handled and the logic behind it perfectly tackled all of my law concerns from season two, and I was really really happy with how they explained away the existence of this animal. So my big concern <laughs> from season two was addressed, and then everything else here was just handled really well, and mm-hmm. it it felt like a really good season with a lot of consequences in it that I enjoyed seeing unfold. Yeah, yeah. I uh I, I just I, I said it multiple times, but I was floored and, and I was I was just sitting there thinking how bold all of these choices were. The 
but we'll get into them all. But like the visitor center stuff. Can we stuff... appreciate? I literally called season three in a tweet back when season one came out. Well, what did you say? What was it? What was the tweet? I, I said, wouldn't it be cool to see the opening sequence from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom tied into the show? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh, totally. I mean, we, yeah, we talked about that a lot, I remember. And I actually talked with Scott Kramer, you know, the executive producer. And he's, he, you know, he coyly, like, coyly? Is that a word? No. He, very, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> we'll go he, with it. <laughs> coyly, he had said, that sounds weird now. Um, he had said, like, you know, yeah, I was asking about the timeline. He's like, yeah, you know, it's about two to three months. And, you know, you have this this time frame before the beginning of Fallen Kingdom, which is, you know, about six months out, I think he said, or something. So I'm like, you know, at that moment when he said that, I was like, it's on their minds. Yeah, <laughs> it's on their minds. Maybe that means something. Um, and oh I want, boy, I, did I wanna, it mean something? <laughs> I, I want to dive into all those things in a little bit, but just overall, yeah. blown away. The, so bold. The fact that they did that that thing, you know, the Main Street Fallen Kingdom thing. The fact that they did the Scorpius Rex in all of its glory, like like they did. Mm -hmm. um, the 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 Visitor Center stuff was just incredibly bold. Um, everything everything here was just like. Wow, 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 wow. Like I just it just exponentially grew as the season went on. Couldn't believe it. So um you know, I I don't want to like you know, usually I do these conversations where we like sequentially get to like the biggest and best stuff. How do you want to do this? Do you want to dive into some of the best stuff first? Where do you want to go? What, what what's your one topic um, you want to discuss first? Wait, say that again. <laughs> What's your what's like your one thing you want to discuss first? Do you want to do you want to hit some of the okay. bigger things or what? What do you what do you think? I'm tempted to, but I feel like I want us to warm up a little. Oh, okay, bit you want to warm them. up. All right, all so right. So we'll should, we, should we summarize the story of the third season? That's that's fair. Yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, these kids are 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 trying to get off the island, right? They're still trying to get off, and this is something that paid <laughs> off from from what I had said. Actually, one. Thing that did not i'm gonna this is like i had i have not said a complete sentence in 45 <laughs> minutes um <laughs> but one thing that that really didn't pay off for me was i was saying in season two i was like the, the hap is gonna be back he is definitely still alive and the boat's gonna be back i said those two things were like positive for me i mean maybe hap is still out there i have no idea because it seems Maybe like there's Tiff is still out there, Brad. Ah, I don't know about that. I, I, you know, and and I guess we should say that it seems like there's more. There should be more in store, right? Um, mm -hmm. Leading up to it, it didn't really feel like it felt like this was going to be the end for a little bit. But then, you know, the very last second, it twisted. So, but but again, Hap didn't show up. So I was like, oh man, like that didn't happen. But the boat was there, so these kids are going to use the boat to get off the island. A lot of different craziness ensues in the middle there. Mm -hmm. Scorpius is unleashed unleashed on the island. It has, you know, about three months to explore this this island and set things into motion chaotically and 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 make the island off balance. And um and of course, uh, you know, we we lead into that Fallen Kingdom sequence towards the end of the season. Um, and it was just incredible to to have the timelines meet up where Dr. Wu is coming back to salvage his you know equipment and his uh his, his a lot documentation. of our listeners predicted that which was really cool mm -hmm. yeah 
And then, of course, you know, they, they do all that stuff and, and eventually do get off the island. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, a beautiful season and a beautiful story and uh, so much fun. Just so much fun in the middle yeah. I think, yeah, the, the story of the third season is really interesting because you kind of get this sense that the kids have given up on other people and they've given mm -hmm. up on other people coming to rescue them. So they're yeah. trying to do things for themselves. And we start with them attempting to escape on a raft that goes wrong naturally we get something which is very cool in terms of fundamental jurassic which is the weather is against them so already from oh, the yeah. start of the season all of nature is against them on this island which is something that then factors in further later on as well and um, so i thought that was really interesting seeing how that kind of parallels a, a lot of sort of Crichton's core tones when it comes to our relationship with nature. Yeah. Um, but also we see them very quickly find Tiff's boat while they're up at Lookout Point. They spot the boat. Um, it's worth noting that Lookout Point is a new attraction, which gets added yeah. as part of this story, which was quite cool to see. Yeah. Um, that that so, was my, my first bit of notes was new locations. And, and Lookout Point yeah. was, was incredible. Like having like essentially gyrosphere gondola system that like brought them up to the top of this lookout that had like, you know, uh, uh, like gliders up top and stuff. Like yeah. it was just amazing to see this new location. I thought that was a really, really inspired spot. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. It was really, really cool. And they actually, um, later on in the story that location gets destroyed as well so it explains oh, why yeah. you never see it again so it, it was quite nice to have that kind of self-contained here's a new location and then here's why you never see it again um yeah. i love that so they, bit, by the way that was that was pretty hilarious where they they light the can or the, you know the they put it inside the thing and then it goes up and just like poof, and they're like that's it and then a few minutes later yeah. just like boom like this massive no sure that's maybe a little wild emulated like cyber a little bit i felt exactly dude i i wrote that in my notes that it felt like it was just alluding to uh, you know the volcano exploding and i was like yeah. oh wow that's really like an evocative image right there seeing that that like you know, fire raining down on them as yeah. they were trying to oh, escape yeah. yeah that was pretty awesome that that felt very volcanic and i thought that was really interesting like way to put it yeah yeah um so then a, lo a lot of the season is them essentially trying to repair tiff's boat um mm -hmm. we don't see her on it there's no body or anything obviously it's a kid's show the baryonyx may have eaten all of her um but i did <laughs> think that was interesting to just note um, yeah. and then during the process of them attempting to repair the boat um at one point, the boat gets a puncture in the hole, so they have to go and look for resources to fix it, and they end up doing this at what they believe is a private dock at nighttime. So they're at this private dock, and it's I don't caked think at the, in are, mist. I don't think they're at the private dock yet, right? The private one was the one where the tower was, right? This is still like yeah, the, yeah, you're this right. Is still like this the main is like dock. fenced off, is what yeah. I mean. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. so it's oh, kind sure, of sure, like. Sure. It's meant to be safe, essentially. Yeah, um, yeah. But you kind of, you get the vibe, <laughs> but there's something ominous here because it's dark. There's uh -huh. really, really good use of the score. Um, mm -hmm. It's misty. 
And you get this really, really cool sequence here, which kind of, to me, felt like it was bringing alive the descriptions of the worker village in the Lost World novel at the nighttime, when it's Mm -hmm. like dark and there's creatures lumbering in the distance, but you can't see them. It felt a lot like that. And the interesting thing to note during this sequence is the animal that ends up attacking the kids while they're attempting to patch up the boat is an Aranosaurus. And the Aranosaurus was never on InGen's original list. So obviously, in terms of what we were hinting at in our non-spoiler episode, this poses <laughs> a really interesting question about that list. And I've kind of I've been thinking about this more and more recently. And because obviously it's not the first instance of something not being on the list appearing on the island. And we see it later in the season with the Monolophosaurus. So I wonder if that list that we've all adhered to is just the list of public assets. So maybe that's things that were readily visible for the public. And there's all these other things that they've been working on on the island that perhaps weren't in exhibits yet that are still on Nublar. Brad, you're putting your face in your hand. Yeah, it's that's convoluted. It's all so convoluted, man. I hate how like how obscured and hidden all this information needs to be. Yeah. Just why is it so, you know, obscured and like we we have to hide what is available? Like I, I understand story wise, like. In the films, it's like, you know, that's kind of a cool detail. But, like, everybody being shady about all the information is – it's a it's a, a turnoff to me, canonically speaking, to say, yeah. like, well, oh, well, now I can't trust this information anymore or this r- narrator is has been unreliable or this has been yeah. unreliable. I don't, I don't love having to question what I know as true so often. And and uh, that's why I, I take what I see at face value. So I see what what I yeah. see in these films. That's what exists, and that's what I see. And and you know I'm 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 not really into taking like like the Jurassic World website had so had so much information, but also a lot of like not as much as you'd want. And it showcased what's there, what's not there, whatever. And and I don't know. I'm tired of like adhering to one specific source or whatever so i'm just gonna watch these things see what happens see what unfolds aranosaurus is there and it's it's an incredible like an incredible moment i thought that was really really cool i loved like you said how on uh, ominous that moment was with the fog the dark night um not batman but just a very dark night um (laughs) And, like, behind all these shipping containers and stuff, you just see, like, a tail moving or something walking by yeah. in the distance. I thought that was really cool and uh, a subversion of your expectations because you're you're thinking, like, oh, this is going to be some big, scary beast. And then Aranosaurus pops out, and you're like, oh, okay, it's herbivores. We're, we're fine, right? Like, yeah. no, you're not fine. These <laughs> These things are insanely brutal, maybe a little too aggressive, but that that comes into play a little bit later on. Yeah, I th- I did think it was funny the fact that these things had it out for the kids, like one hundred percent to the point where they jumped in the water, followed the boat, <laughs> climbed on the boat. I was I was like, this is absurd, but I love it. I loved yeah. every moment of that. That was super cool. 
<laughs> well, I, I think it's interesting because when you look at a lot of the films as well, um, yeah, you have that moment with Zack and Grey with the Ankylosaurus where it hits the gyrosphere mm. and you have the moment with Stiggy and Owen in Fallen Kingdom, but the herbivores are never really presented as this genuine threat. They're always mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, Stiggy Mon looks stupid. It's going to charge at Owen. <laughs> it's never like done yeah. in this kind of sort of serious manner and here that kind of flips it on its head because you have this dark sequence like you're saying mm-hmm. where the ambience is spot on and it genuinely feels quite gothic in terms of how it's presented yeah. um, and i feel like stylistically for a lot of the action sequences in season three they definitely took a lot of inspiration from bayona and how he handled fallen kingdom which was really really cool to see here yeah um but obviously, as you allude to, um, this animal, these animals are behaving more aggressively than herbivores would be expected to. And we find out that this is ultimately because the E750 is loose on the island. Yeah. So you get little snippets at the end of each episode that show what it's been doing. <laughs> There's like a really brutal one where it's like dragging the carcass of a ceratosaurus yeah. along the floor. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you're kind of this whole time getting this built up as this really, really omnipresent threat while all the time the kids don't know what else is going on on the island. Um, mm-hmm. So c- continuing along that story, you basically have this sequence where they escape on the boat and then eventually dock elsewhere to go to Kenji's penthouse. Um, I'll be honest, this is one of the things that really stood out to me is a bit like... Why is that there? Because the, the 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 penthouse is literally a skyscraper. Uh, yeah, just yeah. In a random part of Isla Nublar. <laughs> I know. I I um, I think you know when you see those aerial shots from like Fallen Kingdom, I you should be able to see like a skyscraper <laughs> down there somewhere, right? You would think. Um, but it was silly. It was definitely silly, and I think like you know, the way that they built that portion of the world. Like, I love the world building, and I think it's really cool to have this new place. But yeah, it definitely felt like like they skimped on some of the details there. Like, just, there's a private dock, right? So that's cool. You have a private dock, you dock there, you you have your um, segways that take you up to uh, to the building. But like, I was just laughing because I'm like, this is the place for like millionaires or billion whoever to, to like go to this penthouse place to ride up there. But they're just, it's just a dirt pathway and then zero, like zero plants, zero, it's just like a very dirt and then concrete and nothing special about the entrance of this place. It's just, it's just a tower in the middle of the jungle. It was like, there's no fanfare to this tower. It's just like, you just arrive at a tower. I was like, okay, I would have liked to have seen like it built up a little bit. Maybe like a little, like a special place around it. Exactly. A little compound, like a pool, um, you know, uh, like different, uh, like a different bungalows or, you know, different things that make it feel like a lived in place. Cause it didn't necessarily feel very lived in. It just felt like here, I have this asset and I'm just going to drop it into the jungle. (laughs) So yeah, it was a little weird, I but I did that. I did like the the area with the with the building with the underground uh, uh, garage system. I thought that was all yeah. pretty cool, but uh, it, I just wished it was a little more lived in feel feeling, you know. Yeah, definitely. I I agree with that. I think it kind of just feels like you say like it's a skyscraper plopped in the middle of a jungle, yeah. essentially. <laughs> um, it looks like. Uh, the, 
this isn't meant to be insulting, but it, it looks like what happens when I try to make a map on like a video game map editor, and it's just like well, loads of trees and then a skyscraper. I mean, it does it does have that Jurassic World Evolution vibe where it's like you can't really add a lot of details in Jurassic World Evolution. You yeah. can just plot place your buildings and that's kind of what it felt like so um yeah that was what and and actually jurassic world evolution you can at least put a concrete path <laughs> yeah frontier but besides we love the you. point besides the point um <laughs> yes we do um, um so then I, I was gonna say we get inside and there's lots of really cool little moments inside i kind of i just look back at my notes because i had three that i made the first is the fact that there's a golden Sinoceratops statue that mm, references cool. the uncovering of an actual fossil, which was really cool. Um, the second is the fact that there's some kind of Jurassic World book on Kenji's dad's desk, and you never see it properly, but mm. I wonder if that's maybe a nod to either Malcolm or Grant or the survival guide that we've seen in previous seasons. And the third is Kenji gets cut off when he's talking about this compass that the kids have in their possession. But he was going to say, oh, this compass actually belonged to before he got cut off. So I'm uh, wondering yeah. if maybe there's a tie to Hammond or somebody else there. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. It didn't really pan out to like nothing really came of too much consequence. I don't feel like from the compass yeah. outside of like it led them to the visitor center i guess which is kind of consequential i guess but um yeah there wouldn't wasn't any like it wasn't like i was like oh i really need the detail on on that that uh compass yeah. there but um dude when those monolophosaurus or the, actually the first <laughs> the first instance when they're riding up to that building you see the mono there and you're like he's just like a statue and it was hilarious i like yeah. i love this creature this is super funny like a goofy thing. It kind of reminded me of the Ceratosaurus in, in Jurassic Park 3, where that thing kind of just was like, hmm, and then just stopped, looked <laughs> yeah. around for a second, and then got out of there. That's kind of what it reminded me of. <clears throat> so it was very unassuming. And then, of course, you do see a second one, but then there's like 50 of them. It's like <laughs> there's yeah. so many of them that enter this building. And I was like, oh, my God, I did not expect that. I that did was really make funny. a note why were there so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they they don't like these kids. They are going to go get them, and this is going to be bad. But that was that was yeah. pretty funny. But it also, again, that goes back to obviously being another animal that wasn't on the original list. So I think mm -hmm. that's where, like you say, at this point, it's maybe worth taking things more at face value. Although I do think it is interesting to note that we don't see the Allosaurus mm -hmm. throughout any of Camp Cretaceous so far. And we yeah. also haven't seen the Suchomimus. And those are the two other animals which were on that original list. So yeah. I, I find it quite interesting, I guess, from a law perspective that they've not been brought in before animals that are entirely new, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, you know, they're not too different, I guess, than the yeah. ones we've already seen in a way. I mean, stature, uh, the way that you can use them uh fairly similar to what like baryonyx or or you know yeah. carnotaur like this so i don't know what the use would be so i kind of understand bringing in a smaller monolophosaurus or the uranosaurus and stuff like that i i kind of appreciate that stuff but um the dinosaurs here were were really really fun to watch um i don't want to skip ahead past your points but you go ahead 
yeah, I think we had some really, really good moments um, sort of throughout with the dinosaurs. And I, I think it's interesting to note, and I'm just looking at my notes of episode three, um, we do get a visual prelude to something that we get later on, which is we get a shot of the Monolophosaurus with its face right up against the glass circle window, mm. similar <laughs> to the kitchen scene in yeah. Jurassic Park. And that sets the stage for later in the series where we then actually go back to the kitchen in Jurassic Park, which is yep. really cool. There's like lots of subtle bits of foreshadowing throughout this, um, yeah. which is really, really cool. Um, so I think that's everything of note that really happens throughout season for uh, episode three. I was about to say the whole season. No, there's, <laughs> there's lots like, well, more there's that happens. More, yeah. There's plenty yeah. more. <laughs> um, so episode four, Brad, where do we get to revisit? I don't know. What is in episode four? That's not the way my notes are structured. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me take a look at my, my episode by episode. Oh, so this one's titled Clever Girl. Um, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, this this one's really cool. Um, what, I, what I like about this episode is... Um, you know, the way it kind of starts off with these compies um, at some point, like Kenji just being like, you know, here, compies, take these coins. He's just flicking coins. And then eventually one of them yeah. gets that compass that we talked about and takes it out to the visitor center. And uh, I, I was just I was blown away. I, I loved seeing the visitor center. I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, visually my speculation it, was wrong it wasn't a new building it was still no. the visitor center yeah see yeah initially we we all i think a lot of us thought like oh that looks different it looks like a new place but after uh, like honestly like an hour or so of looking at it we're like okay maybe this is it's got yeah. the same windows it's got the same door like obviously it's got to be the same place but it was kind of confusing with the trailer because like you do see the penthouse and you're like well, maybe these are two of the, like the same location, yeah. just different areas. So you were kind of confused, but um, but yeah, it was cool to see that. And you know, at least again, the interior re recreated spectacularly. The outside mm -hmm. still still represented that that um, that Jurassic World aesthetic that we see. You know, it wasn't it wasn't exactly the Jurassic Park entrance with the the stepped waterfall kind of pools and stuff like that. And, and the walkway up, it was a little different still. So, you know, that, that is something that bothered me in, in Jurassic world. I kind of wish they kind of changed it, but what are you going to do? I don't, I can't blame them for st sticking stylistically to what Jurassic world set up. But, um, you know, knowing that blue kind of set up a house here, that was really, really fun. Um, yeah, to see that this was her domain. This was somewhere where she could be safe. Uh, I really, I, I really thought that was pretty cool. I think, yeah, they do a lot throughout this season to kind of set Blue up as a part of Jurassic Park's legacy. Um, mm. And in, in many ways, the fact that this was her home kind of shows that her creation is fundamentally tied to the past and she is fundamentally tied to that legacy of John Hammond. Um, and there's some really, really interesting stuff done later in the season, which we'll come on to, um, which really helps to... It, it kind of... I, I don't know if it's just because I've got Falcon and Winter Soldier stuck in my brain at the moment, <laughs> but I, I, I was thinking a lot about the legacy of some of the iconography in Jurassic, uh -huh. and there's lots of interesting stuff done throughout this. Um 
so I, I've actually, I've got to the point where I'm just pulling up my notes at this point because I yeah. think there's a lot of interesting things in there, this season. Th- this, um, this, at this moment, though, I want to stick with the visitor center um, because the second that these kids walked up, they yeah. all, they all got chills essentially, and they're like, oh, "It's the original yeah. visitor center." And I, I don't know if it was you. I think maybe you had said or somebody had said like yeah. how. Somebody, I forget, I don't remember the entire story, but one of the creators I've had said something. Here. Oh, you do? Okay, go ahead. What is it? Oh, wait, no, go on, because I might have been about to say something else and jump oh, the gun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> one of the creators or somebody had talked about how they're going to refer to, like, the legend of these these uh, yes. past, past people that are involved in the park. Yeah. And that's where this moment actually does come into play. And, like... They they have there's like John Hammond has a legend and this park has a legend and stuff and the the fact and I know this is probably what you're gonna bring up but like the fact that they refer to the the novel in this moment yeah incredibly beautiful as as an alternative take and the fact that like you know so if you don't remember they mentioned that legend has it that the original park owner broke his ankle here and was eaten by the compies yeah and and it was like. And, and they're like, well, how, where'd you hear that? And she's like, ah, I read it somewhere. And you're like, yeah, that's hilarious. It's like that's literally amazing. a direct nod to the novel <laughs> and the fact that she's like read the novel. Yeah. It, it, it was incredible. Beautiful. Um, and she's like, I'm I, kind of I, obsessed with theme park deaths. And I'm like, okay, that's, yeah, yeah. that's an interesting obsession. You're yeah. like, I can relate from all of my theme park addiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, it's, I've looked into it myself for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah I I think that moment was really 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 cool and like I say that shows how much attention they've paid to kind of making this really feel like a homage for Jurassic fans as well plus a flea Um, circus the flea circus music underneath that dude yes yeah I I scribbled down the note here saying that the school's spot on and Mm. I also I liked how and I don't know if you clocked this um, they changed the cinematography a little bit from Jurassic World. So in this, you could actually see more of the thatched roof as well and more of the overarching shape yes, of the yeah, visitor yeah. centre. Whereas in Jurassic World, it's just the gates, which I thought yeah, was really like cool. Yeah, it's just like lower half, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I like how it kind of, as you go into the visitor centre, it takes the moments to actually sort of refresh your memory around it. So mm. you get a shot of the T-Rex skull, you get a shot of the mural on the wall with the velociraptor, and mm. you kind of get a moment to sort of relive in this environment, which was yeah. really, really awesome. You, um, you, you do get that the ledge is broken from the Indominus yes. attack. like So the, it's consistent, the... the you know, yeah, the style is there. It's it's really cool to see. And I, I think throughout this whole sequence, this this really was and I've got a note here, it just says big grin on my face during this sequence. Cause I, I really had that. There's mm-hmm. so much in the way of homage during this. Like you get the moment with um Kenji with the vending machine trying to get something out of it, which is straight <laughs> from Jurassic Park 3 yeah, in the InGen yeah. facility. Yeah. Um and then also, the fact that later in this sequence, when Blue comes in, or um, just before Blue comes in, you yeah. get the kids trying to climb up and get the compass back, and it kind of plays out in the exact a, opposite yeah. of Jurassic Park. <laughs> so in the first film, they're climbing down to escape, yeah. and in this one, they're climbing up to escape. I just yeah. thought it was 
it it was really well done really yeah. well realized you, you mentioned blue entering and i'm like I, I you know as soon as she came in she taps her claw on the ground i'm yeah. like this is just so jurassic and i love that and i did think about that reversal of the story there that was pretty cool um that was a, a fun like i didn't expect anything you know bad to happen and, you know i lo- i know a lot of people put value on knowing that people are going to be fine or, you know, there was no tension there, but there was still tension. I I still find tension in moments where I know the characters are safe. Like I never really think these characters are going to die, but like uh, there was still tension in that moment. They're all like frozen there and blues underneath. And it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. But like this doesn't Darius do like literally the Owen thing. He's like, (laughs) yeah, that's a bit later. Yeah. Yeah. Is it later? Yeah. Cause I know he does it Um, twice. I think he does it outside. at the yeah. uh, at the truck maybe too. Yeah, that's what you're thinking of. And then he does it inside the visitor center mm-hmm. in a later, later yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, there there was one other note I made actually, which is the fact that when they think actually no, I think you're right because they think that Blue's gone, but she's still there, isn't she? So I think that might happen in this moment as well because well, there's a moment I like noted down where you have a shot that's got the silhouette of the um of the i can't think of the word even though it's right in front of me and my eyes aren't spotting it of the mural and um, mm-hmm. you've got like the silhouette of the mural there and you think it's just that painting but then it transpires it's blue coming back out so i think that might be when they're inside and then they that, have to I run away because I, I think blue gets a compy and then runs off right and then they yeah they leave yeah. i think so they they try to go out to that truck and um yeah but i, I don't but know she's it's... chasing them because she jumps on top of the truck mm-hmm. yeah but so i think, I think a, yeah surprise. i think you get I, that I moment where there's like the parallel with owen um and and you can kind of you you see a lot more not just in that moment but in later moments as well of how intelligent blue is which is really mm-hmm. cool like you you kind of get this insight into her sort of assessing what the threat is and thinking about it which i thought was really cool yeah um yeah i did love that they 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 pick up that uh trank gun which doesn't really help them in this moment but at yeah. least they're aware of it um there's another portion in here which is the 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 secret lab the e750 lab yes which is a, a pretty big a pretty big <laughs> moment here like the fact that they first off it's a nice homage to jurassic park when the the door opens and they, there's like the walkway down the plank way down and you're like this is straight up you know Ellie, or, or you know entering, yeah. uh, you know the um, the the maintenance tunnel thing in Jurassic Park. So they find this laptop in there, and there's just all these different logs, like two. I, I wrote them yeah. down: two thirty nine, two forty, two fifty seven. So you get to learn like a little bit about the Scorpius Rex. That's where they first hear the name, um, and and man, some a huge re- revelation in this episode, right? Uh-huh. You know. A huge revelation. Dr. Wu says, you know, he introduces the Scorpius Rex, the world's first hybrid yep. dino- dinosaur. And you're like, and I'm like, vindication. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, this is besides the point. We had a whole conversation on The Wire recently about the timeline of events with the Indominus, the Scorpius, and wondering when things were born and all that good stuff. And we were wondering if this was before the Indominus and it was, and I'm like, my mind's blown. It was before it actually was before. So it's, it's a complete 
change, and we talked about that earlier with the something, the list, I think. Yeah, we were talking about the list yeah. earlier and how it's, you know, it's incomplete or, you know, it's not showing all the same stuff. This is something that completely changes what you see, which I know, I know Jack Ewan's made a big, um, uh, or not a big, he made a response video to what we had said. And he had mentioned that in the back door of Mizrani Global, that the Indominus Rex was born in 2012. And, uh, you know, it took three years to age to what you see in Jurassic mm -hmm. World. But I don't know what to believe at this point because I don't know if, I don't know, so, you know, when, still we don't have a firm timeline of events, right? We just know that yeah. Scorpius was first. So maybe it still could be 2012 and this thing was on ice for three years. I don't know. But I tend well, to look at it as, well, and I talked about, sorry, I keep, nice, keep talking, but <laughs> I, I keep talking about face value and knowing that like, hey, we see that bumpy is rapidly aged within, you know, a few weeks to a few months. And that's that's still kind of the way that I see these dinosaurs. And I kind of think of Indominus and Scorpius in that same manner. But that is all be besides the point. We don't really get any kind of concrete information outside of the world's first hybrid dino. And that is huge, huge news. We do get more concrete information that you're not thinking of. And I'm about to blow your mind. What's that? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> so Wu says that Masrani said that it was too ugly to be shown to the public. Yeah. So Masrani has ordered it to be destroyed. And yeah. Wu goes against his wishes to mm -hmm. freeze it. So the reason why this isn't referenced on the back door is because it's in Jen's dirty little secret. It's been hidden by everyone, including people with access to the back door. Simon Mazzani yeah. doesn't know that this was frozen. Wu is the only person who knows about it and sure. anyone who was working down there with him. So it wouldn't be on the back door. I'm not I'm not asking for it to be on the back door. I'm I'm just saying um that and I think it would still be there, to be honest, because there's like email conversations and stuff like that, right, on the back door between Dr. Wu and other people. So I don't know that it wouldn't yeah. be there. But um, but anyway, it does kind of, in my mind, muddle Mizrani a little bit with this whole conversation that Mizrani is like, I don't like it. Um, it's too, like you said, too ugly for display. But yeah. Dr. Wu is going to continue. So it kind of makes that I got to rewatch Jurassic World and look at that conversation he has with Dr. Wu where he's like, what are you doing? What is this creation? It's it's a new revelation for him when he's talking about the Indominus Rex, you know? Yeah. So it's I, I well, don't know if in the back of his mind he's thinking about Scorpius when he's having this conversation with Dr. Wu in Jurassic World. I got to see if if it makes any kind of sense on the surface. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so so the way I interpreted it all is it's just done to underpin how out of touch Masrani is. Exactly. So in That's Jurassic kind of World, it, yeah. he has no idea what the genetic genome is of the Indominus. So that's probably the same here. He has no idea what he's requesting. He doesn't fully understand what Scorpius is. He's just thinking about the market value of it. And it's why he says it needs to be prettier, because he's just thinking about what will sell more tickets. He's not thinking about the implications and the science of it. So I, I yeah. think all of this is underpinning that Wu did a lot that Masrani didn't understand and he had no clue on. And yeah. I think equally, it aligns Masrani a lot more with John Hammond because it makes him come across a lot more as a character who's more concerned about the 
end experience than he is about safely getting there and actually understanding the steps that have been taken sure. to get there. It's, it's that cool sure. Jurassic argument of they're trying to run before they can walk. Yeah, um, I, I think I think John at least had like, I feel like he knew what was going on outside of the dinosaurs that were bred yeah. in the wild. Obviously, that was besides the point. But like he, he's like, I, my hand touches all of these dinosaurs that have been born on this yeah. island. Like, I, I think Jurassic World and the the like the expansion between Lego and this show and stuff takes Ms. Ronnie on that one quote where he's like, "How's my park? How's it doing?" Like as if he has no clue what's going on yeah and he's a he's some absurd absurd like you know uh billionaire that just runs that owns things but has no clue of the inner workings and i i I don't know i feel like they've expanded too much upon that and saying like he's just aloof and and, like he doesn't really understand things but that's just me kind of uh you know trying to work around how this actually fits because like you said I, i think it's just like he didn't really understand what was going on, and he forgot that he had mentioned, I, I need something bigger, uh, m- more teeth or whatever, you know, yeah. they say in that line. But, like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's still it's still interesting well, to, to discuss, at least. Yeah. Honestly, for me, I look at it as it is something that's completely brushed under the rug. So mm. I... The the way I interpret it is I look at the backdoor as projects that perhaps the public wouldn't be receptive to. So things like the Indominus Rex, where if the public learn about how much hybridization has gone into it, there might be a negative reaction. And I then think things like the Scorpius are a layer beneath that, where it's so far out of the realm of understanding of people like Masrani that Wu doesn't even want to keep backups of that anymore. It's all very, very hush-hush behind closed doors. And I find it interesting to note that this might not be the only time he's done something like this. Because on so throughout Camp Cretaceous, they've been very clear about not having text, if you've noticed. It's always like this weird squiggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's three folders that you can clearly see on his laptop, which are... W-600, N-601, and A-055. So Mm. that, to me, implies that there's been even more going on that he's continued to do, which I'm really liking context because it adds a lot to his modern-day character and the fact that he's just continuing to build on the science he's doing without stopping to think about any of the ramifications. Sure. I, and that's I feel like ultimately those things, something that I think factors into Dominion. Those things could be like some of the stuff that we see on the screen in Jurassic World, whether it be like yeah. the Stegoceratops or whatever that massive like dragon looking thing was, you Let know, like actually... stuff like that. It could be similar to those. I don't know if those numbers or words are on the screen at all when you when you see that, but I'm that could be interesting. I'm taking a look right now. That could be interesting. But um, yeah, Masrani wants the Scorpius destroyed, but you know, we, we discussed this a lot in season two about like, why is, why is there a cryogenic chamber? Uh, You know, what is the deal here? But Dr. Wu essentially just wants to keep it in cryogenic suspension indefinitely until he can determine what went wrong with the thing. Because, because they do mention that this thing, that the mind is fragmented in the Scorpius and it can turn from placid to aggressive in, you know, from moment to moment and, you know, I'm thinking I, I, at this point, we don't really have a good visual of the these 
the uh, whatever whatever it was called Scorpius just yet. Right. right. We're just still trying to piece together little uh, end sequences at the end of episodes. So we. You know, I, I'm thinking of the Indoraptor at this moment, and I'm like, wow, it does kind of sound like the Indoraptor, but maybe scarier. And um, and and interestingly enough, it attacks Doctor Wu, which is a huge yeah point. You know, I know a lot of people were like, oh, this is Doctor Wu's brother. I'm like, no, it's it's still just <laughs> yeah. him. It's still Doctor Wu. Uh, yeah, but you know, they have anti venom there that that'll help. Uh, you know, get rid of the symptoms. I guess so. It's almost as if that factors into the story later. Oh yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> um, I do just want to touch on something quickly that I found very interesting in episode three. So obviously Shoot. now we're talking more about the presence of the E750. Mm-hmm. The kids find out about it. Wu knows about it. Therefore, Mills and his people know about it. Oh, okay. There's the potential that Manticore also know that Wu was experimenting with hybrids because we see a drone at oh, the end of yeah, episode yeah, yeah. three fly in and see the 750 before it gets attacked by it now you could argue that that was Wu investigating the island but this is never referenced by him and manticore introduced as a drone in season one so i would bet that manticore are also aware on e750 keep that in mind brad Mm. because it's going to factor into some speculation later okay yeah i i uh I think visually speaking, you have to assume that it is Manicore. I know, you know, you could question whether it is, you know, Dr. Wu or Mills or whoever. But like at that point, you see the same kind of drone. You're like, okay, that's Manicore. So it does like this whole time we've been wondering, like, what are they doing? But like six or however many months later, you're like, "Eh, they, they can't still be offshore at this point. Right. Like, do they just keep coming back? I'm so confused by Manicore. Maybe that's something we get in the future. Uh, but uh, we'll talk yeah. about that more. So we. Well, yeah, we'll speculate more. Yeah. Um, we'll go to, go to episode five. So, episode yeah. five is, uh, is uh, I think, a pretty big one, right? So, this is the introduction yeah. of the true introduction of uh, the Scorpius. The Gallimimus right? in Camp Cretaceous. <sighs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, that's. <laughs> First off, wait, go back. To, we're going back to the beginning. Um, yeah, the, the Gallimimus gets uh, killed there, right? So, but also, yeah. I cannot believe you, Camp Cretaceous DreamWorks. Why do you keep killing Brachiosaurus in front of my eyes? <laughs> why do you keep doing this to me? There's this big stampede uh, somewhat early in the episode, and hey, like, Brad. I, I see them. The two two fallen uh, Brachiosaurus. There's only one now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, again, no, don't do that again. The Scorpius just takes one out and you don't see it, but like you see it fall in the trees like. Aah. So it's 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 yeah. brutal. This show is brutal this season. And that Gallimimus kill, which, you know, you you know, you brought up the Gallimimus, um, which this kind of skips ahead, I think, a little bit later. But Gall- like Darius is out in the jungle, like taking his little field notes on, on the Gallimimus and uh I think this is the point where he like looks up in a tree or something and it just there's a dead Gallimimus falls. Uh-huh. Like I'm like oh my god that is brutal. Like that is so gross and horrifying. 
I've really so I really like the visual of this like predator stowing its prey in the trees because mm-hmm. I know that there's parallels with real life, but also in Primeval season one, um, when they introduce the future predators, which are like the big bad of that show, that yeah. starts by this animal hunting cattle and leaving them in trees. So hmm. I really like how that instantly hits that like horror vibe. Um, yeah. Also worth noting here is the fact that this is the first time that we actually as an audience get to see sequences unfold through the eyes of a dinosaur from a first yeah. person perspective yeah. um and the the thing that's done here to distinguish this animal from other hybrids as well <laughs> is the fact that it hunts based on heat vision mm-hmm. and so it looks for thermal signatures which is really really cool to see and it kind of adds to that horror vibe because it makes it feel tonally very similar to more classic horrors or sci-fi horrors like predator yeah predator yeah so i was like you're getting very predator vibes in this (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so we we kind of we spend some time with the gallimimus like you said darius is out seeing it Um, Mm. While he's flicking through his field book, we do get a drawing of a Dilophosaurus at one point, which Mm. means that he must have encountered them on Isla Nublar. And the fact they're not in season three thinks it's just me. I I genuinely at this point think it's Universal going, hey, the Dilophosaurus still exists. Keep your eyes out in the future. So I reckon that dinosaur is going to be in Dominion. Um, And I I actually wondered if, if that is in the boat, because like skip skipping way ahead to the literally <laughs> yeah. the finale, like I I did wonder that was one of the things that crossed my mind because it there is something in this boat and it is it's got to uh-huh. be small but like I have other theories on well, that Brad, too. Well, so. Brad, are you ready for me to blow your mind with that? And we'll we'll, we'll get into a full blown discussion on this later, but I'm gonna say two words. Okay. Asexual reproduction. Okay, so moving on. Oh, I know. Um, yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. That's where I'm going so, too. so uh, essentially what this boils down to is in the later half of the episode the kids can't get to the boat because it's too stormy for it to take off Mm. yaz goes and scouts it out and realizes this so they have to fortify the remains of camp cretaceous um and in doing so the scorpius rex comes and attacks them it's nighttime it's in the middle of a storm there's lightning and this sequence to me felt so much tonally like the end of Fallen Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Like with this cinematography where you just see the animals silhouetted. Yeah. And, and, and then there's this moment where you first hear it roar and it stood on its hind legs with a flash of lightning in the background. It's just cinematically, like I say, it feels like they really went for those more mature tones this season. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I saw this and was like, I'm going to have to text my colleague and tell her her son might be a bit scared of this season. Yeah, this is like another one of those really bold moments for me. It's like this was so fast paced and like so much happening. You're worried about the storm. You're worried about the boat, um, all the characters in different places and stuff. And that Scorpius showing up at their camp and just not caring about that that electric fence at all, really, just kind of getting shocked but essentially not caring um and you know all these different elements coming into play you just talked about the thermal uh you know heat vision and the fact that this thing somehow can get into a tree and just attack from above yeah so so creepy and it takes this base element of what you see as the indoraptor and makes it 
somehow so much monster more monstrous than than it already was as as an Indoraptor because they're they're very similar. It's like you can tell they're mm-hmm. the same kind of creation, the same kind of project, but like this thing is everything that was wrong. Like the Indoraptor is the essentially the perfected. It's still not perfected, but they they had planned to go to the perfected route with blue, but this is the the initial concept that is just wrong. Everything is wrong about it. That scream is horrifying. Mm-hmm. The legs, dude, the legs look like they could break at any moment. They are so skinny and tall and long and lanky and weird. This thing almost has humanesque qualities to it at times yeah. where you're like, this is very JP4 centric kind of weird. <laughs> like, where are we going with this? The fact that, dude, that shot that you mentioned about the lightning and that thing, it, it has its arms like in this weird position. It's roaring yeah. upwards and it just is standing. And you're like, my mind is it's blown almost like at this the hunchback, moment. isn't it? In that scene, it's so everything about it is is odd and you're like this thing is a monster it is purely a monster at this moment and and i loved every moment of that and you know i was getting hyped you know re-watching this and i posed you know a question on twitter to everybody about like what do you guys think about the horror elements of the second half of Fallen <laughs> Kingdom. And I was like, I want you guys to be prepared. Let's start the conversation. What do you think about those horror elements? Not alluding to, to Camp Cretaceous whatsoever, but I just wanted to know in preparation, yeah. what did people think about, you know, the, the, the Frankenstein-esque vibe? We get Frankenstein, like a quote kind of in this show as well. Um, we get, um, you know, Dracula vibes in Fallen Kingdom and Wolfman vibes. And this is all of those things together. And it was so everything I wanted from this creature. It was so amazing. And the fact that it gets distracted by fire was a really, yeah. really cool detail and such a horror monster, you know, uh, trope in a way. It was really interesting. Cause like Frankenstein uh, or Frankenstein monster is just like hates fire and stuff like that. So that is like a really cool detail. I thought. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think they did a lot of legwork to really make this stand out compared to the Indominus and the Indoraptor. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the challenge here. And that was something I was worried about last season is how do you make another hybrid feel different? And they really managed to. And at the end of this episode, we get the gut-wrenching moment, which kind of confirms what we've been thinking this whole time so in every segment where you see a dead animal there's essentially quills in the animal and you're kind of wondering well why are they there what's the purpose of them and this confirms that because it's taken from the namesake the scorpion fish which we find Mm -hmm. out later in the show um that this animal has got poisonous quills that it leaves in its prey and we discover this when they're embedded in sammy and the episode mm. ends with her with these free quills in her stomach. And I found that to be quite a gut-wrenching graphic, actually, because when you think about suffering and injury, like one of the f- worst places you think of is your stomach. So seeing that there was kind of in itself very, very brutal. Yeah, it was very, very brutal. I, I Yeah, this is such a dark moment. And again, I, I figured... You know, everybody would be fine. They would, they would obviously find this this anti venom, and everything would be good because they're not killing off a kid, 
on a show like this. I just, you know, that's never crossing <laughs> my mind as a, a thing that will actually happen. But it was still like a, a very traumatic experience, I think. And um, and and just speaking of that scorpion fish, I did, you know, I, I wanted to like look it up a little bit. So it literally like the first line on Wikipedia is like, it's a family of mostly marine fish that include many of the world's most venomous species. And it's like, there yeah. you go. That's like, why, Dr. Wu? Why are you doing <laughs> these things? Like, Come on, man. Um, it's just, yeah. So it's it's brutal, and you see those things stuck in there, and she faints, and you're like, "This is this is gonna be bad." But I'm sure they'll get out of it. But um, yeah, that that <laughs> that takes you right into the next episode, which is where they just try to figure that all out and try to yeah. set off to to correct those issues, which is uh, well, you know, expected. I, I find it quite interesting that the animal itself is poisonous as well, and you're kind of slowly witnessing Sammy die. Because that toxin sort of spreading through her is almost a metaphor for the impact that the Scorpius is having on Isla Nublar, where Mm -hmm. we learn that as it's slowly been spreading more and more across the island, it's been ruining the ecosystem. And all of the animals are behaving in really unnatural ways. So I like how there's sort of a lot of symbolism packed into this season, and you can really kind of draw connections between a lot of different things. I thought that that was handled really, really well through this. Yeah, he he assumes that like in the last episode, episode yeah an episode what was that five or so like he just is like yeah this has got to be why the all the animals are acting weird and you're like okay that's cool i can kind of i can understand the arenosaurus yeah. now where maybe i thought it was like okay that's crazy i don't understand it but it's fun but it's wild but now you you kind of get it and you see that continually happen happening throughout the season it's like yeah. wow they are all acting odd you know and it also maybe even explains some of the more extreme behaviors in the last season because mm. the Scorpius could have been loose at the time when they were doing that. You don't know for sure. I mean, well, obviously, we see the season end yeah. with the room venting, but yeah, I think it's still intact at that point, you know. And, and then okay. it ends, and then it escapes when we're not looking, you know, because it skips yeah. ahead a little bit. And so, obviously, I mean, like it's two to three months at the end of that season, and then another three months goes by. So these kids are just like, there's so many experiences in there that we're not seeing. So. Who knows? But, yeah, uh, but so I- ep- episode six, I didn't really have too many notes on. Um, I thought watch point getting destroyed was interesting. Obviously, we saw it coming, um, and we've already touched on that a little bit. And then the o- only real notes I made was the fact that we get to see the raptor paddock again, which yeah. I thought was fun. Yeah. Um, and I also really like the moment of the kids using the leaves to protect themselves from the pteranodons. Mm-hmm. I thought that was quite a cool use of like natural camouflage. Um, yeah. This. Yeah. Again. Uh, this. No. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to change it to a different topic, but yeah, if you're good. <laughs> yeah. Go. Go for it. Um, it was. It's. I think it's a good episode for for Yaz too, because really, it's all about her trying to save somebody who she just said were not friends and that's another that's like one of my little nitpicks with the season is i think overall the characters really grow exponentially but like this is one of those moments where things revert you know like i think maybe ben and and and, um yeah i think ben and darius maybe have a similar conversation this season where they're like we wouldn't be friends you know when we get back home or whatever yaz says the same thing and it's like what 
you already said you already had this conversation <laughs> with Sammy where you guys talked about not being friends. Why are you friends and then you all of a sudden not friends again? I'm like, okay, that's a little weird. Felt a little off. But um but she's she's remembering all these good moments she had with Sammy and all these bad moments she had with her to help her have this driving force to get, you know, get her friend back to a healthy state. And I thought that was it was still good to see, even though I thought the the way that they got there was a little clunky. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we get to see that gondola station explode, which is pretty good. So there's like a little encounter again with the Scorpius. Um, and it's just another moment where this thing is insane because it makes this jump over the, I guess it makes a jump over the river that's in yeah. this, in the land, because they used to use this river to traverse or this like you know, uh, cut out area to traverse the land, but now there's a river there from the storm. So this Scorpius can make leaps and bounds. It's hiding in trees again. It's still just super, uh, creepy, uh, you know, as always. Yeah. No, but yeah, I you're right. No, I think nothing too much else though. I think overall it, it was quite cool. And this is something I alluded to in my non-spoiler review is the fact that there's a lot more adult themes in this. Because mm -hmm. this this is kind of Yaz dealing with guilt. And that's something that I think all of us deal with from time to time. So I thought it was really cool how it actually, it sort of explored that quite thoroughly. I thought it was just nice seeing themes that resonated a lot throughout this season. Yeah. Um. And on the subject of themes that resonate, episode seven uh, is very much focused on Ben and Ben's relationship with Bumpy and also Darius and Ben not wanting to leave Bumpy. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool because you kind of get that parallel with Owen and Blue in some ways and Owen not being sure about what to do at the end of Jurassic World for a moment before he lets her go off mm -hmm. you're kind of seeing that sort of similar dynamic played out in a lot more detail here which I thought was awesome yeah I um I yeah I thought that that dynamic was interesting I'm like Ben come on man what do you just <laughs> get over this but like I did love that Bumpy found a family like her you know she had yeah. a family because you know she was introduced into the population and then got scattered from them uh, you know during the events of Jurassic World but now I guess she refound that family and that's really nice to see is like this uh, you know big herd of of Ankies there and she just is you know welcomed into that crew and you know, for me, I'm like, okay, that's how you separate the two of these these characters, you know, Bumpy and, and Ben. It's, you know, but he's just insistent that this is his home and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to leave the island. Well, is he himself jungle man? Yeah, he's he's like, I, I'm my stronger self here. And he constantly yeah. brings up Toro. You know, I defeated Toro, um, which I, I, I'm actually shocked we didn't get another Toro um, yeah. cameo here. I, you know, I was... Again, I was certain Hap didn't die, and maybe he still didn't. But I'm all, I was also certain that like Toro would still be alive, and because they kept mentioning it, like guys, don't you know I defeated Toro? And it, I was like, I was <laughs> expecting at the end of the season that Toro would be like, and they'd, they'd all be like, Ben, we thought you defeated Toro, and and he's like, I thought I did too, and you're like, no, you didn't. But that never <laughs> that never happened. So, but I thought no, this Toro, was pretty. Toro just got chowed down on by a bunch of compies. While I guess he was so. Lying at the bottom yeah. of that cliff. <laughs> I thought this was a pretty good episode though, because of the conflict and the emotion attached to these yeah. characters between Ben and Darius, because Darius is just Darius is continually trying to make up for his past mistake of letting Ben go. 
and he's he's constantly feeling like Ben is judging him or just like hating him for that. But you know, they they end up getting into a fight. You know, and I'm like, wow, this yeah. is actually like they're they're Ben literally came you know moments from punching Darius like in the face, and you're like, wow, this is pretty. Uh, you know, a heavy moment for these characters. I thought that was pretty good, you know, to see them physically trying to grapple with this situation. I just spit everywhere. Yeah. But, and then almost coming coming to, you know, to blows there with fists, and you're like, oh, wow. Like, that that, that was brutal. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You kind of see some... Um, you see some cracks forming in the group at different points in the season, and this is perhaps one of them. And then you see that more um, later on in the season as well. I don't know why I've suddenly gone so bright. I'm like really illuminated. <laughs> you, you have your um, notes up, which is just a white screen. That's why. Take your notes off. <laughs> then you got nothing to talk about. Um, um, yeah. I, I was going to say... Um, going back to Bumpy with the Ankylosaurus herd, I really loved how the herd fended, fended off the Scorpius, because um, that's straight mm. out of real-life paleontology. I, I remember the Walking with Dinosaurs Ballad of Big Owl special explores how mm. the Allosaurus was unable to attack a group of sauropods because they were herded together, so mm. they were protecting each other and protecting their young. And I yeah. thought it was really cool to see that... Um, mentioned here and i also liked how this sort of emphasizes that the scorpius is much dumber in some regards than the <laughs> indominus rex because uh -huh. obviously the indominus works out that it can twist the ankylosaurus over and then attack its stomach and you see that the scorpius doesn't figure that out it just kind of yeah um sort of goes on its own way yeah. um and then obviously a little bit later in the episode, we get the line saying, oh, how did the Scorpius end up here so quickly? It was just over by these yeah. characters. Must be until the fastest the dinosaur ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until the <laughs> ultimate reveal that it isn't the fastest dinosaur ever because yeah. there's two of them. What did you think of that, Brad? My mind was blown. I did not expect... <laughs> two of them uh, did you expect two of them at all because that, that was no. not on my radar at all i i i didn't initially think of the consequence of it i was just like oh what is going on are you for real there's a second one i'm like that is crazy i you know ultimately i was like oh i wish it was like a white one and and the, and the darker color one i thought that would have been cool like kind of like an allusion to like behind the scenes of fallen kingdom and stuff like that yeah. and and that could have been really cool to see, but they were so similar. There may have been a slight difference. It was hard to tell, but um, you don't really get into that more until the next episode. But I was just like, whoa, what is happening here? That's crazy. Uh, two of them. It, yeah. You know, it took it took what we initially were talking about, like this concept that could be world-breaking in a way, and doubled down on it. And I'm like, whoa, what? that's it crazy. I can't believe you did this. Yeah, bold, um, bold. One thing I will say is, so we'll get into episode eight in a second, but very early in episode eight, it's mentioned that 
presumably the animal um, can self-reproduce and that's how there's Mm -hmm. two of them. It took me a while to put the dots together and work out that it had been like three months since it had broken out. Because at first I was like, how the hell has it just given birth to a full-size Scorpius rabbit? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I thought that for a second too. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it's been, you know, processing in my mind. It's been about three months. So therefore, what I was talking about before, we saw Bumpy get to that size Mm -hmm. in about three months. So therefore, all dinosaurs must do this. So that is the concept, and that's kind of shown here again. Uh, you know, another instance of, you know, it could get to the size. Now maybe this thing could get bigger, um, maybe. But um, yeah, it was still. I still think the Scorpius was like a a little bit a little bit bigger than the Indominus. It's hard to say. No, I'm sorry, not the Indominus. I, the, I, the Indoraptor. Yeah, the it, Indoraptor. Between the Indoraptor um, and the Indominus. Yeah. It was like it was maybe a little bigger, but it was hard to tell. The Indoraptor is pretty big too, but um, yeah, it was just. Yeah, I was like, okay, I buy it. I'm 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 in. You know, that's Yeah. It was a it's a very surface level explanation and I'm okay with it because that's how it's always been. You know, really it's yeah. never been much more than that. So um <laughs> I was good with it. But they they create havoc here in this fight yeah. sequence, which was really fun, you know. Trashing and that's that that's limo. the interesting thing actually. So um, we start episode eight with the two of them fighting. Mm-hmm. And I really like that because that calls back to the Indominus and her sibling and the fact that she killed her sibling. Yeah. So it kind of shows that Wu still hasn't perfected the science. He's still tinkering. He still can't quite get these pack behaviors right, um, which I thought was really cool. And yeah. did, did you also clock the limo in the tree here being kind of a visual callback to the Ford Explorer as well? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um and I I had just recently rewatched um Battle at Big Rock too and I was yeah. I was visually cuz like they were strapped in to the limo seats and hanging and I was like, "Oh my god, they look like that kid from <laughs> Battle at Big Rock that's stuck in the chair, you know, against the in the camper." Um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But um yeah, it, and I love that that like there's this really dramatic thing. It's like you know, Darius wants to take, he's like, we got to take them out. We can't leave this the way it is. Yeah. You know, it's terrible for the ecosystem there. And Darius is like, in order to do what we have to do, we have to go back to where it all began. And I'm like, that's, yeah. I love that. I, cause like, it's just, a, it's a fun statement. It's a fun idea. And I'm like, yes, let's go back to where it all began. Cause we always want to go back there, you know? Yeah. But Brad, before we go back there, we get a baby version of your favorite yeah. animal. Oh, it's so cute. There was like a now big stampede and stuff too. Now imagine if the grown up too, one but... is the Fallen Kingdom one. <sighs> no, it can't. No. Wait, oh, you mean the enhanced, one like... Enhanced like, growth. The mo- No, no, no way. That's literally like days later. <laughs> but what if it's the mom, dude? Come on. No, Brad. Look, Brad. The opening's only days later. But the actual events oh, the of movie, Fallen the movie. Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <sighs> All right, dude. I, I'm so mad at you now. I am so mad at you. <laughs> so thank you for joining us for another episode of the Jurassic <laughs> Podcast. Why do um, you do this to me? <laughs> so, um, yeah, you make a really interesting point about Darius's attitude as well, because there's one line that I pulled out, which is, why should we care what happened to the dinosaurs? Because life is worth protecting. And I think well, yeah, that's that going to be... An... Kenji, right? Yeah, so that's Kenji and Brooklyn during that same sort of sequence. And I think that that 
is really really interesting because i think that's setting the stage for dominion um now mm -hmm. obviously if you're obsessive like us then you might have looked at the imdb castings and you can see that there's washington scenes so presumably we might be going back to the senate hearings that we saw in jurassic world fallen kingdom and if we are then i imagine that these kind of tones will be the discussions that will be had why mm. should we care about these animals being in our world why should we want to preserve them why do they matter so i think that this does a really good job at kind of getting you to think about what discussions will be happening around Dominion as well, which I thought was really, yeah. really cool. You know, th besides that point, but speaking of, of Kenji and Brooklyn, I, I was kind of getting vibes that like maybe they could potentially be a couple or something in the future yeah. because like Kenji is really, I felt like he's trying to impress her and stuff like that throughout this. And like, really, they were really growing their relationship a lot here. And like, you know, he, he had that, that kind look towards her when he repeated that line that life is maybe worth protecting. And I was like, oh, that's a really sweet moment, you know? And there's, there's several yeah. moments like, and this is kind of skipping ahead, but like he, he's like gripping to her during like that Anki herd yeah. scene, you know, later on. And, and he's really protective about, you know her later on too so it's 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 pretty yeah. interesting i think they there might be something there is, developing there is that moment later on where she leaves him to go and see darius and then mm -hmm. he's off with darius afterwards as well so yeah i think you're onto something there um yeah so this episode brings us our big nostalgia boost as well. So this would traditionally have been the finale, but there's two extra episodes tacked onto this season, um, which we'll get into in a moment. Yeah, to, to but episode here, eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yes. here we get to revisit again the uh, visitor center. I was about to say the Velociraptor center. <laughs> um, and in the visitor center, we have one Scorpius Rex inside, one Scorpius yeah. Rex on the roof, and we also have Velociraptor Blue. So mm. it's kind of switching and paralleling the battle of the last film, where instead of one big theropod and two raptors, we now have a raptor up against these two hybrids, which I thought was really, really interesting. So yeah. Already, it's setting up this really, really. They're, cool, they're up cool against bag. themselves too. You know, like it's it's a free for all. <laughs> like nobody, yeah. there's no allegiance here. It's just like every man for himself, every dino for himself in that moment. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Um. And and just before we get to that climactic encounter in the kind of atrium of the visitor center, mm -hmm. where do we go back to, Brad? Uh, I'm trying to look at my notes really quick. The dock? I don't know. The, the, <laughs> where, where, the kitchen, where do we go? Mate. The, oh, the, the okay, kitchen. The kitchen. The kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah. during this sequence in the kitchen, we get the remade shot that's been released as a bit of promotional mm -hmm. art already yeah. of the Scorpius looking through and um, the window. And you get this really cool moment where it tries the lock, yeah. so it makes the handle move, and then walks away rather than opening it, and just bursts through, which yeah. I thought was really, really cool. Again, it, um, kind of, it kind of goes back to what you were saying about it not being able to break through the herd, and it, so it's not as smart as other things. It's like, I can't figure out how to open this door. Let me just smash it down. Like, I'm just yeah. I'm just a brute, yeah. you know? So I thought that was pretty, pretty awesome, and it is 
it's just showcasing how different of a creature it is versus the velociraptors. The velociraptors go in there so cautiously and, you know, looking at everything and making sure they're taking it all in. This thing goes in and destroy it like is knocking over absolutely everything. It's a menace inside this kitchen. And I I just found that really like, you know, a stark difference from from the original movie. Yeah, I thought it was deliberately done to kind of play mm. off those differences. Um, and the cool thing here as well is the fact that when we go back into the atrium, there's a moment where Darius is reaching for the tranquilizer gun mm-hmm. um, to try and shoot the Scorpius. And Blue kind of looks at him and you can see her working out that it's a weapon. He yeah, doesn't yeah, pick yeah. it up. So she then goes, oh, he's not a threat and attacks yeah. the... Um, the Scorpius instead and yeah. I thought that was cool and there's a lot of parallels with how she attacks that with how she attacks both the Indominus and how the Raptors attack the T-Rex with her getting up on its back and sort of yep. attacking from out of its range which was really cool to see yeah I, it's a little you know on the nose the whole Darius doing these this arm thing you know it's, I'm it's like, literally it's little, like the ex- I'm sure he says the exact same line as Owen at one point as I, well I don't know but like I, I I thought it was interesting because like he never at least as far as we know saw Owen or saw any kind of training experience or anything so I, I found it interesting that he just you know automatically goes to like this position where he's like holding it off I you know ultimately all he's doing is showing like I'm not a threat I'm a, you know and that's what you do yeah. you know you hold your hands up you're like okay I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to touch that weapon there. It's fine. So he, you know, Blue understands that. Blue is is a smart dinosaur, so she kind of understands. But, dude, this entire fight sequence was insane. It was brutal, yeah. and it was just – it reminded me a bit of, of the novel, too, in a way, where, like, raptors are on the roof. You hear about raptors being on the roof of, yeah. like, of the visitor center and stuff like that. And I, I felt very, you know – it felt very similar to that. And obviously it's supposed to be similar to that battle in the first movie. But like, I was also getting those novel vibes too. And I just, I was like, this is so bold to go in there and destroy the visitor center. Completely destroy it. I'm like, wow, that is, that's bold. You know, I can see some people not taking that so well. Um, But I I thought it was really cool because it shows it underpins Wu as a character fundamentally. And it says, look, you had this thing. You did something incredible with Jurassic Park, but you kept going and going. You kept pushing those boundaries. You never thought about the consequences. And now your work has destroyed your legacy. And it's very (laughs) metaphorical because obviously in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, he has literally been stripped of his title. He's now like this rogue scientist. I'm going to get um, to that in a little bit too. Yeah, so it's it's very <laughs> it's very cool seeing how this again is a metaphor for the franchise as a whole and how hybrids in many mm. ways have destroyed the legacy of Jurassic yeah. Park. Yeah. I think that's that's a very very cool thing. Um Yeah. So it's... we end with the go ahead. No, yeah, I was just going to kind of say the same thing about, you know, the collapse bringing down which you know, technically, you only do see one Scorpius dead. So, I mean, look, there's the potential that there's another one still alive. Yeah. But when you see the the rocks falling down, you do see, or the, the ceiling falling, you do see, like, both of them being collapsed under there. So, 
I'm just saying, I only saw one officially dead, but you know, you never know. <laughs> so what we know from the end of this sequence is that there's now hybrid carcasses on the island mm -hmm. and Manticore know that there there were hybrids on the island. Sure. So it is possible that they could recover those from the wreckage of the visitor center. Yeah. Which would be again quite interesting because then it would literally be the legacy of InGen breeding a brand new company. So yeah. Well, you know, you know what kind of crossed through my mind is the fact that I didn't see the dead, the second dead creature. In my mind, yeah. I kind of, I kind of envision a future where these kids are on the boat going back to the mainland, and all of a sudden they see a chopper go by, like in the Lost World or in Fallen Kingdom, and you see, like in Fallen Kingdom, you see these dinosaurs tranked and just hanging there yeah. as they're transporting them away. I, I could totally see something like that happening, where you know, Manicor tracks it down picks one up and takes it away whether it is dead or a, another one alive or something but i yeah. can totally see that and kind then of their thing mission happening. becomes stopping manticore so that's yeah. how you set up another season i like it brad yep, that's exactly really that's cool. that's exactly what i was thinking and that maybe their home operations are on sorna i don't know <laughs> you know it could be it could be fun it could be fun but that's just speculation so of course <laughs> <laughs> it's all right we'll we'll do plenty more of that at the end of this episode don't you worry i also <laughs> like how i've basically just started running us through every episode at this point I, that was not my intention everybody just so you know that was not my notes but he went with it so i'm like okay that's what we're doing <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah yeah so um this episode ends with the kids making it onto the boat yeah. and making it off of the island. And just as they're getting away, we have three well, helicopters well, swoop in. Before that, though, before that, they, they decide to let Ben figure himself out a little bit. Yes. They, they, um, um, this is the moment where, like, Ben is contemplating what to do and or not not he's not even contemplating. Like, the, you see the characters are like, should we leave him? Are we really leaving him? Is this what we're doing? And he stays and he goes back into the jungle and he's like, I'm here to stay. And then looks around and he's like, no, no, I don't want to do this. And like you see him jump into the water and and the kids were, yeah, they didn't cue in uh, Sammy on the plan, I guess. But everybody's like, we knew you would come back. Like, you know, it was yeah. only a matter of time. That's why we stayed right here or whatever. So I thought that was pretty good. But the whole time I'm like, Ben, stop it. Stop don't do this what are you doing you can't do not you're like just go this just leave leave come on don't let this linger anymore like leave the island these kids need to leave so yeah but then you said the spotlight you know the choppers roll in yeah. and at that and at that moment man i'm like oh my god they're doing it it's gonna happen yeah it is gonna happen. Well, at, at this intro. moment, I was still like, okay, it could be a red herring. No, um, I was all in because man. it felt like, <laughs> I, to me, it felt like. Have you seen, um, like, the way the military do pirate interdiction operations? Okay, that was the kind of vibe I got. Where you've got like this sharp spotlight, this helicopter circling. So I was like, maybe this is the military. Maybe it's some other kind of operation. Yeah, you know, um, restricted. And and it's like, yeah. And then we get into episode nine. Mm -hmm. um, and at this point, we kind of get some hints at something shady's going on. So oh, yeah. obviously the kids say these are unmarked choppers. They begin to question whether they can really trust them. <laughs> yeah. But they decide it's their best chance of getting off of the island. So they go back onto the island 
one of the helicopters comes in and lands to pick them up. You get the um, mercenary who comes out saying, what the hell are you kids doing on this island anyway? Um, half of the kids get onto the chopper and then the T-Rex turns up and the chopper kind of lifts off as the T-Rex attacks. Mm -hmm. And the thing in this moment that blew my mind and shows how just invested in this franchise these guys are is the fact that that was literally the original storyboards for Jurassic Park to a T with the escape helicopter lifting off and the landing struts getting bitten by the T-Rex. I like, I lost my mind and I shouted at my telly and was like, oh my God, they did the original scene. <laughs> it was it was amazing. and uh, But that Rex also took out one of the Mercs that was down there. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God. Like he, they just like full force <laughs> just ate that guy. It was like, it was awesome. It was like, at this point, the kids... You know, they've been in some some rough situations, but right now I'm like, oh my God, now they're witnessing so much death up close and yeah. personal. It's crazy. Like, it just amps it up. Um, and then, you know, you uh, in a few minutes you get that, that moment where you hear one of the mercs in the background say, like, Marine One! You know, you're oh, like... Yeah. Dude, I lost it. Cause at this I point, like, I was right, like, confirmed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I was literally like, maybe it's still going elsewhere. And then you hear Marine One, I need yeah. to shut the gate. Marine One. And I was like, oh my God. And then the fact that they actually do that sequence in the show, I was just like, I, I was gone at this point. I was away in Jurassic Heaven, really, really happy at this point. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible to see that all transpire again. Uh, you know, a little bit of me was like, you know, oh, we're going to see the the, the uh, Dilophosaurus. But like that obviously didn't pan out. But like, because we do, he you hear the Dilophosaurus, like uh, the squeal, like the little, you know, noise yeah. it makes in Fallen Kingdom somewhere. It's just like there for some reason. But um, but yeah, to see that all actually happen, like nearly shot for shot there, that was so cool. And then just incredible that these kids were just standing on the ledge watching that happen. Like the Mosasaur jumps out and grabs that guy. It's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. It was so awesome. You know, it, it was it, it, it was like a dream come true. Yeah. 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 And we get comparison and comparison we get confirmation of the time window well sort of we sort of get confirmation of the time window don't we brad <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> you know we did a lot of speculation that sort of uh before all this like who, you know who would come back here what would happen why would they all be here but they did mention that yeah it's like the kids were like how long or, or somebody says how long you've been here and they're like i don't know since jurassic world fell and and, and the pilot's like that's about six months ago <laughs> it's like it's still vague it's still vague like you know we don't know exactly but it's around six months ago <laughs> so i was like yeah. okay cool all right at least we we know where we're at where we're at and we did have that conversa uh, conversation with scott kramer about that that timeline as well and you know it's it's pretty concrete at this point and it's still interesting that like nobody ever said that in fallen kingdom that was never a thing that was like you know you're supposed to know or, or have any idea about but i love that it's you know it's more concrete now and 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 dr wu is there to salvage this whole thing and to get his information mm -hmm. and uh specifically like going back to that room where e750 was and i you know yeah. i kind of 
I kind of hoped, you know, that this is exactly the way it would go down when we saw that in I Fallen Kingdom. I think you said this word for mm-hmm. word in the episode that we did. didn't get to release. Uh, yeah, I did. If And if I didn't say it, if you didn't hear it there, I definitely said it elsewhere that, like, I, I had hoped that, like, Wu came back to salvage whatever, you know, materials he needed and also to clean up E750 and to figure that out. And... You know, I st- I don't know. Maybe he would have left it there ultimately, but like, he did want the documentation and the information that is on his computer and stuff. So, but yeah. I was still I was very very pleased that like, he wanted to salvage this mission and he is back there in person to get his stuff. And I thought that was really awesome. Yeah, I thought it was really well handled, and I'm not sure if you clocked it, but there was a little bit of lore that feeds into the Indo Raptor as well. And mm-hmm. because he's talking to Hawks, I think it is, or it might be Brooklyn at this point. And he says that without his laptop, it will take what would take them months to do will take years. So yep. this explains why in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, so many years later, yeah. the Indoraptor is still only a prototype at the Lockwood Manor auction because I he never got that data. And uh-huh. I, I like how it kind of it factors into his ignorance and his arrogance as a character as well, because yeah. you think he's done all of this important research. He hasn't thought to back it up on a portable hard drive. <laughs> I Yeah. None of that makes any sense, but I'm there for the idea and the plan. And I love the payoff, man. I love because I was thinking that same thing. I'm like, oh, my God. okay, this is why it's three years later, because it takes time for him to come up with the data because he didn't have it. Yeah. You know, it's it's really it pays off beautifully. Um, And then the kid, you know, the kids, because he didn't have that data, they they set off to, like, steal the laptop ahead of time. They end up getting there ahead of him and and pass you know but in the meantime brooklyn gets captured and uh you know it was a pretty pretty uh awesome i think you had said did you compare it to like endgame or something like that like yes where Where they're like whatever it takes whatever it takes (laughs) yeah it was like pass off the laptop and and go wipe it and and copy but they 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 changed the plan so many times about like what they're doing and all this stuff but like eventually they decide to like copy the data so that they can take him down i think and then also give him back a a blank laptop but um you know plans still went askew and stuff like that but um yeah i forget what else happened specifically because that is all more so in the next episode i believe yeah that's kind of across that the rest of episode nine really is the pteranodon attack Mm -hmm. um which is really really cool so you see this helicopter heading to the rendezvous point and then there's a swarm of pteranodons who kind of take flight and you're kind of in your head you're already thinking oh no because you know how the sequence in jurassic world played out yeah and but then ben says to turn the lights off (laughs) and they leave the vehicle alone which was quite cool i thought this is one of those moments where I'm like looking at the character developments here and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. These kids are like, the you know, they're the boss. Like they, they know everything that's yeah. happening here. They know how to deal with all the situations and they're like, shut down the lights. I know it's going to work. Uh, so Your I Ben impression it. is flawless. It's, I know. I try. I work on it all the time. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought that whole chopper sequence was interesting. The fact that like, first off the pilot is gone like uh, that's kind of brutal um but wow. like it's it very very simulating the um you know the the again the the explorer in the tree kind of moment here as well yeah 
Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over that for now because I want to speculate on the pilot at the end. Okay. Um, because I have some okay. interesting observations Ooh, about that. Okay. Um. Okay, so I'm looking through. Well, episode ten. Notes. Before Go before ahead. we get there, before we get there, they're 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 at the lab and they're having conversations, and um, you know, the Merc finds out about the the Scorpius Rex, uh, um, yeah, and you know, that's where you find out about the Scorpion Fish name and all that stuff. Yes, um, but it's pretty interesting because like, oh, uh, he's like, oh, the boss would be really interested in this, and yeah. um. And he's like, well, you know, Dr. Wu says, you know, I could perfect it. I could make an improved version. And and that's where he's like, what would take months will take years. Um, yeah. And then I love that. Well, Wu, Wu like, impression's good as well. You're like nailing all of them. <laughs> um, but Wu, you know, now you're going to force my hand here. I got to do it again. Um, you said it too early. Now I'm going to mess up. But he's like, you know, if you don't want Mills to have your head, help me look. You know, so I love that Mills is is referred to here. And it, yeah. it combines all of all of my hopes and dreams. I've been talking about this for years, about how I've really wanted all of this stuff to be connected. And it's really, it's really connecting dots even further. And I just love it so yeah. much. It, it really... It's awesome to hear all these things, you know, across multiple platforms and different films and different uh, mediums. It's really, really cool. So, um, you know, so Brooklyn even says, or no, I'm sorry, Darius, maybe he says like this Mills guys wants, wants them to create monsters or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, oh, that's like another. It's literally preluding Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. So um, I did want to give you a little interesting piece of speculation here. Mm -hmm. So there's three helicopters we see going in. One is heading with uh, Wu to his lab to get the Scorpius Rex research. One is going to get the Indoraptor specimen. And the Mm -hmm. third one presumably had another mission before they have to land to get the kids. What if that third mission was the NMS facility from Jurassic World Aftermath? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> you know more about that than I do, so <laughs> I have no idea. Cool, I like yeah. it. Yeah, I like okay. it. Okay, <laughs> we'll go with it then. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had a few observations from episode ten as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly the fact. So there's a few little cool parallels, like you get Hawks in the Mercenary using night vision goggles, which calls back to Jurassic World, um, and those brutal sequences with the Indominus. Um, we yeah, see are pretty Chaos bad and at Limbo. using them, by the way. <laughs> what, what was they're, that? They're pretty bad at using these night vision goggles because they think <laughs> yeah. kids are a bunch of... Oh, uh... but that moment was so cool where they thought oh, that Chaos amazing. and Limbo were the kids, and yeah. then the, the like, Baryonyx just wake up, eat this dude, and then go yeah. back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, even before that, though, like Wu is having like conversations with Brooklyn, and I... I, I feel like this is a good episode for for Doctor Wu because yes, he's not he's not one dimensional as as always. Um, pretty much, I think that there's there's a bit of a softness to him here, where he he was very concerned. He actually was 
kind of concerned, I think, for these campers. And he's like, you you and the other campers never made it off the island. It's like, it kind of makes me think of the backstory that's happening off island about like him yeah. knowing these campers never made it off the island. And he he didn't look hostile. He's, he's always so hostile, you know, in everything that he does. He's always so demanding and, you know, demeaning to people. And and I, I thought yeah. it was very interesting to have, he, he had like a much more heartwarming like response to seeing Brooklyn and just like, having like normal conversations with her instead of being like, I am so much better than you at everything. You know, like I thought that was pretty interesting to see a different, a little bit of a different side to him. It's cool. Cause you kind of see a little bit of remorsefulness from mm-hmm. where you Yeah. But then ultimately he does still leave the kids behind. So you, you yeah. kind of get this where you can see the seeds of maybe a redemption being planted, but then he yeah. like switches back to the colder we, we see in um, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And mm. actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because I really like some of his dialogue here. It, it kind of nails this narcissistic sort of character that they've built up. And the thing I really love is the fact that he describes himself as a visionary. Like, mm-hmm. c- can you get more narcissistic than that in terms of the way he presents himself? I thought yeah. it was really, really cool seeing them, like, narrowing down on that. And then um, Brooklyn beginning to pick away at that um, mm-hmm. and kind of get him to reconsider things more. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I like think... that, that Brooklyn calls him Dr. Frankenstein. And uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I thought that was that was pretty cool. It's that very like on the nose nod of you going, yeah, he's messing with things he doesn't but, understand here, and he is very much that kind of character. Yeah, but I, he also makes like an interesting quote here because I, I after reading the book and and understanding like a lot of philosophies surrounding monsters and animals and stuff like that, he actually says like, "See, my creations aren't monsters," and like you know he talks about the parasaurs and stuff like that. How like yeah. not everything I make is a monster, but you know. He he sees it differently, I think, than, yeah. than the reality. So I just I don't he's know if detached he's detached from reality. Yeah, but he like has these moments of like when she says Doctor Frankenstein, like that maybe he's understanding his role, but he just doesn't quite get his his implementation into what he's done and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I thought um, and this is going in a completely different direction here as well. But I, I thought it was cool that they brought back the flash drive from season one mm-hmm. and made it like switched it so it was yeah. a positive here. So yeah. in season one, it's the negative thing that divides the group, and here yeah. it's the thing that nearly saves Brooklyn. And it, it's interesting seeing how um, emotion is ultimately what almost gets Brooklyn taken away essentially because they had a concrete plan that was going to work but it's the human element in the form of kenji that causes the things to go awry because he tries to Mm. do things too quickly and causes those problems to ensue and i think that's quite interesting because a lot of that theme like throughout jurassic more broadly is unpredictability and things happening that we can't account for and we can't predict and emotion is definitely one very big part of that I, you know, Mal- Malcolm's like, yeah, you, you couldn't predict that Kenji would walk off with a laptop, and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like, yeah. But, but like, so listeners, the- this episode have got Doctor Wu, Ben, Andy, and Malcolm all from the very talented Brad Chase. <laughs> Cast me in your projects, everybody. Um, but okay. no, it's <laughs> hey, okay. Um, so 
I, I I do like though it kind of uh, continuing what I mentioned earlier about Kenji and Brooklyn whatever situation yeah. they've got going on. He he mentions like at towards the end of the episode he's like you know unlike you I don't take risks with friends' lives or whatever. So I think yeah. that was pretty interesting. Like I feel like there's a lot of feelings there for him um, with with Brooklyn, but you know that's after he he steals the thing. Uh, the laptop eventually gets destroyed. So yeah. the documentation still exists. It's on that that thumb drive because they did continue you know to to process that and you know get the information off so it makes me wonder about like about dr wu and him um essentially losing his accreditation i guess um yeah. i know i know that like through the dpg website which we've kind of talked about like some of these features are are not connecting the dots fully anymore but like um, there is this whole thing with like a Gene Guard Act and and the Congress that they're opening up inquiry into Gene Guard Act, which you know, you can take what you will with that. But um, you know, yeah. it, it says three months after the events of 2015, and a separate um inquiry into bioethics misconduct perpetrated by InGen and Jurassic World geneticist Dr. Henry Wu. Uh, the U- U.S. Congress announced it would open up an inquiry into potential violations into that act, um, and then it also says later in a different article that Dr. Henry Ru- Dr. Henry Wu recently stripped of all credentials after being found guilty of bioethical misconduct, and I believe that article was March 2018. So they're yeah. saying recently he was found guilty of all these things. So it wasn't that three months after Jurassic World. So I don't know. Um, but he's it still makes me presented wonder, as a doctor at that point, isn't he? In this, like he in still this, has the full doctor outfit and everything. In in what at what point? In Camp Cretaceous. In Camp Cretaceous, yes. He still says yeah. Dr. Wu or something like that. So he's still going by Dr. Wu. So I know that he hasn't been stripped yet. But it makes me wonder about that document or the, the, the data that they took from the island. Is did that have a lot of weight in removing his, you know, credentials. I think that's a pretty interesting yeah. thing to tackle and to wonder if that's the case. Maybe it had nothing to do with it, but I like to think that they, these kids will eventually get that data to, you know, safe hands and use it to help strip him of his, uh, his doctor hood. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I'm calling it now. I a hundred percent think of the theories about math mood being Darius are right. And I think that... I don't think think so. I think he's too old. I think think the kids are going to go back and eventually end up being involved in the DPG in some capacity. Mm -hmm. I I can just see it connecting up like that. I could definitely see that for sure. I mean, I feel like like all of them would have... Would want to, maybe outside of Kenji, but like most of them would be like definitely into continuing to help out. Kenji's Um, just going to go to some penthouse... Try yeah. and impress some people. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I I I like this, and then it ends basically with like you know, like you said, he uh, Doctor Wu leaves. The Merc almost tries yeah. to like take them out. The laptop <laughs> yeah. gets destroyed and all that, but like they end up leaving the island. And mm-hmm. Ben says goodbye to Bumpy. Everybody's hugging it out. They leave the island, and um, Darius and 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 Kenji are not getting along, but, um, you know, I love that ending and it felt like a perfect ending. It really did. Like Darius, Darius like goes to the back of the boat by himself and he's like, we made it. And he takes like a, you know, a mental picture and 
And then, of course, that door handle shakes. <laughs> so yeah. it, 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 there is more. There's got to be more. The, season four, where are you? Let's learn. When does it happen? So, yeah, I, I'm very interested to see how they do more. Because I mm. feel like you're right that it was a perfect ending. And I could quite happily like um, end cap it there. And I'd be really yeah. happy with Camp Cretaceous as a whole. Yeah. I think there's like three key points that will factor into the future the first is like we say manticore being aware of the scorpius mm -hmm. manticore still having something to do with nublar is that too? are they potentially <laughs> gonna intercept them as they're leaving the island is mm -hmm. something else going to happen there is quite likely well i hope um, it's not an interception like they just they, literally they just did that same exact thing like, like which, the helicopters you know, coming play, with the spot like, like. it's got to be a little bit different yeah yeah um well okay okay so there's four things because i've just realized something so the second thing that's now actually number four <laughs> is the oh. fact that they're sailing straight out into recently infested mosasaurus waters because mm -hmm. the mosasaur has just been unleashed yeah so maybe the escape isn't going to go as smoothly as they think no i, um, I would that would be incredible to see i mean yeah, who knows how far it got, if it went anywhere or if it'll attack them or not. That would be pretty brutal, and I don't know if they would make it out. But they made it out fine yeah. last time with the Mosasaurs, so well, you never know. They could wash up on sauna. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, then third is obviously, like we say, the boat. And I think mm -hmm. we're both probably thinking that that's potentially a Scorpius Rex. Um, I did not think that. Okay, well, we see two, but we know uh, that it can self-reproduce. So there's nothing saying that there were only two on the island. No. So I I could easily see that being stored in there. And then if they make it to the mainland with a hybrid on board, that's a whole other load of issues. But also, if you think about it, if a Costa Rican incident got covered up, it would give a lot more ammunition for Wu losing all of his titles because mm. they can literally see the hybrid on the mainland. Yeah. Um, yeah. And fourth is the pilot. She mm -hmm. wasn't killed because it wasn't the front of the chopper wasn't mangled or anything as if something had come in and bitten her. So mm. she escaped. And I, I, I don't know if this is just speculation or if it's been confirmed that this is um who this actress is playing but there's meant to be a character in dominion that is a pilot of some description who's also a female pilot so i wonder if there's maybe some crossover there with this character having escaped maybe her background is she survived on nublar and that's now why she's equipped to deal with the situation that's hmm. unfolding in jurassic world dominion could be I do like that idea. I mean, we have no idea if she got out or was flung from the chopper or what, but like oh. it definitely it definitely could be any of the above. I think I think that's definite possibility. Um, as far as what's on the boat, I wonder if it's kind of an allusion to the novel in a way where yeah, ha half of the first novel, you know, Grant and the kids are trying to get back to you know, civilization on that island to call to the boat that left yeah. the island because there's young or sub-adult or something like that velociraptors on the boat. And I wonder about Blue or some Possible. of the other, some of the other maybe aftermath 
velociraptors that yeah. I guess are out there. Is it possible that uh, there's a young velociraptor there? I could I see think, it. I, I think can... Blue would be pushing it a bit because she's obviously back no, in no, the no, island not, during no, the not, Kingdom. Not Blue. Blue's spawn. You offspring. Know, a, yeah. Offspring of, of Blue. How interesting would that be? I think that would be really cool to see, you know, a young Blue here on this show. Um, yeah. Could be really fun to see and to see, like, you know, how that plays out. And I, I think there's so much great context for kids and velociraptor babies or young you know velociraptors from yeah. the novel you know there's so many instances in the novel where raptors are jumping on people's shoulders and petting them they're they're fun to play with they're essentially like a bumpy version of a of a velociraptor so that that is just like oh my god that would be so cool to see and i was listening to because the, there is a roar in there it's a very quiet so, like mm. softer roar it doesn't necessarily sound like it's something big plus how did it get in that door I, I feel like it maybe is something small so that's why i'm kind of leaning towards uh a young velociraptor i think that could be interesting a nice you know comparison to what the book did and uh it could be fun it could be really fun well on the subject of juveniles my theory about e750 was a juvenile e750 that mm-hmm. got bred closer to the events of the third season. Because obviously mm-hmm. we know that it can self-reproduce, and maybe yeah. at some point when it felt like it was under attack, it decided to self-reproduce, so there's a juvenile E750 It's on the island. I like it. Um, it could be cool, too. I So the, the thing that I'm thinking now, now that we're talking about this more, is manticore has to be the connective tissue. So mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe manticore sweep into isla nublar in the aftermath of the ingen operation to get the um indominus sample because they want to find out what that operation was about maybe they get the carcass of the scorpius they recover the pilot as a stranded member of crew on the island mm-hmm. who might have valuable intel and they also intercept the kids get the kids and also get a live specimen of whatever's in the hold. Yeah. I I could see that kind of connecting all of these different plot threads and it would explain how characters like the pilot could come back in the fourth season, yeah. even though we're off of Nublar now. I'm down for whatever. I, I just, yeah, I have no idea. I think, um, uh, I think, yeah, there will definitely be more. There, that's no way that they're closing the door there. And I wonder, yeah. you know, where where all these parts will connect and intersect, and will a dinosaur be brought to a mainland? Will it be brought to Sorna? Will, you know, Manicor be out there? And w- yeah, I do like that idea, of Manicor ex- intercepting all of these things, and you know, trying to figure it all out and try to parse it out, and then Manicor maybe becoming uh, Biosyn in some way or something like yeah. that, and leading to a larger story. I think that could be a great way to tie in. But again, oh, I don't know. Can you- to that like in, in my, this is me setting unreasonable expectations so sorry guys but imagine if like season four ends with manticore learning that their operations being bought out or something and say they're on a boat you just get a sequence with a helicopter arriving at the boat and the final shot is the door opening and lewis dodgson walking out <laughs> that'd be amazing that would be amazing but I think we'll leave it there. Uh, we we <laughs> speculated a lot, and I think we talked about all those spoiler details. So thank yep. you uh, so much, everybody, for tuning in. It's been it's been fun, and season three was wonderful. I had so much fun, and I can't wait 
for whatever comes next. Uh, it's going to be fun. So please let us know what you think uh, because I really want to hear them. We'll put together a full episode on your reactions. Email us, JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also email over like audio messages from your phone. Just shoot those over as well. You can call us 732-825-7763. Leave us a voicemail and uh, and we'll play it on the show. And of course, you can just write in your thoughts as well. You can contact us on our contact form on our website. But um, yeah, we really want to hear all your thoughts because I think it's going to be really, really fun to discuss this throughout yeah. uh, the next few months, years, however long. Um, until we get another season. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, thank you guys so much. Please follow us at uh, JurassicParkPodcast.com. Uh, you can follow at JurassicParkPod on Twitter, at JurassicParkPodcast on Instagram. Um, yeah, that's about it. Subscribe, like us here, do all that fun stuff. I'm at Brad Jost on Twitter. Tom, why don't you let everybody know where you're at? I'm at Tom underscore Jurassic. Come and let me know how whack my speculations around the next season are. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, I'm glad we can finally produce some content this time around. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Thank you to everyone for tuning in as well. It's been a blast. Thanks, everybody. Take it easy.